Hello team, it's Pam here from Alt Marketing School. I have a question for you right now and that is what would happen if you could market to hearts and not brains? What would you think would happen if you knew that you could make the world a better place with positive impact marketing but putting purpose and results first? If you want to find out, then come and join us for the Alt Marketing Certification. Our six-week digital bootcamp for professionals who want to do marketing differently and advance their career along the way. Join me and our six incredible teachers to learn how to advance your career with confidence by applying effective systems and frameworks to the latest trends. The next cohort is coming up soon, so I would love to have you join us. And all you have to do is apply to join at altmarketingschool.com slash learn. Go to altmarketingschool.com slash learn to apply for the next cohort of all marketing school certification. Hello and welcome to Make an Impact Show, a podcast run by Creative Impact Co. Our mission is to help creatives grow their business, hone their marketing, and share their stories via outstanding content. Welcome back to the Make an Impact Show team. Welcome, welcome. I am also excited today because today we have, well, a member episode. It has been a long, long time since we had a member episode because life happened. And I'm really excited to be able to have one again and to have the lovely Rebecca with us. Hi, Rebecca. Tell me, are we excited, scared, not so sure, or all of the above? <laughs> Where are we at? I'm so excited. Okay. <laughs> See, this is the vibe we want. This is the vibe of our people. <laughs> this is how we want them. Fear in their eyes, maybe, but they're always going to be excited. Oh, it's so nice to catch up. So thank you so much for being here with me today. Yeah, thank you for having me. Absolute pleasure. And one of the things that I love, I'm going to tell you a bit more about Rebecca before we jump on, but one of the things that I love about our conversations that we've had also in the past, and obviously we've run also one event for us together. I've been also in one of your masterclasses and we are very similar loved when it comes to content. So just to tell a bit more about Rebecca before we ask you our icebreaker questions. Dear listener, Rebecca is a copywriter who uses her clients' unique business powers to get them more clients through sales copy and content marketing without feeling like they're selling out to strategies that don't set and sit right to them. That is literally what we do. And this is why I'm so passionate to have people in the community and people like yourself that actually are committed to, as you say, serve the right people and serve your clients, but in a way that feels right to them and guide them for what feels good in their business, which is what we're hoping, dear listener, we can share with you today. Yeah. But before we get to the nitty gritty of business, as always, we've got icebreakers questions. Are we ready? Yes, let's go. Rebecca. What is a trivia category you'd be really good at and why? (laughs) That's a good question. See, I could say something predictable, like stuff to do with writers and books. But I think, surprisingly, I'd actually be quite good if there was a true crime category, because I really like listening to true crime podcasts. Very important question now. Everybody stop. Favorite true crime podcast? 
Go. My favourite murder. It's a classic. Okay, now, listener, I'm really sorry. We're going to have to take a break now. Tell me more about this because I've never heard of this podcast and it sounds amazing. Yeah, I really love it. It's two, uh, it's by two American women. Uh, one's a comedian. So they kind of have a relationship where they're just friends telling each other stories, which makes it really interesting because it's not too intense. It's just like, wow, this happened. And they might add context to it if they remember it happening at the time. Um and yeah, it's just a really entertaining way to find out stuff that's I personally find really interesting, um, which some people find a bit weird, but there you go. <laughs> My favourite is similar to this, is literally the same, but it is uh, with Gay Guy and a lovely lady, both from the US, and it's called True Crime Obsessed, and it's got a similar vibe. And I think I even recommended to Rebecca at some point and when I, when I discovered your love. in the community I was like you have to listen to this and it's similar in the way that it's fun they're both really funny and they just go through through crime uh, documentaries and series so now I'm gonna have to listen to to yours as well Uh, but I love it I absolutely love it I I am the same so again two little peas in a pod there just like geeking about true crime and people looking at it's funny but I'll take that I'll take that any any day now Rebecca we're gonna go down memory lane so slightly different and my question for you is, what is the first job that you ever had and what did you learn from it? Oh, okay. So when I was studying at university for a summer, I worked at H&M, the clothing shop. And it was definitely a learning curve because retail isn't always the easiest. I think it taught me a lot about interacting with people and working with people in terms of that need to kind of uh, stay true to your own values. I think in a lot of retail situations, there can be a lot of negativity, um, a lot of like cliqueiness. So it can feel, yeah, a bit isolating if you feel like you don't necessarily relate to the people you're working with or you're struggling with customers who are a bit difficult. It kind of really teaches you to stay true to who you are because in the end, that's what matters. It doesn't matter if that customer is rude to you. They're probably just having a bad day or it doesn't matter if you're the manager's favourite. As long as you're doing what feels good to you, it's going to work out in the end. There is something in there as well about what you said, which I think we forget sometimes, which is you never know really what other people are going through uh, on a specific day. And it doesn't mean that you should never take Mm -hmm. anything that some people maybe throw at you. But I think you always start with that question or that inquisitive step of, you know, maybe there's something that, you know, there's going on with their lives. And I think when you put that perspective in, then you try to put your best foot forward. And obviously if somebody is still being a doofbag, then you can be like, no, excuse me, doofbag. I am treating you with kindness. People say kill them with kindness. So I think it's another little lesson that I definitely learned as well working in um, the service industry when I first moved to the UK. It's just, you know, always appreciate that you don't know what other people are going through. You try and be nice to them. If they're still being an absolute twitch bag, then maybe mm-hmm. you're trying to kind of remind them that, you know, you are not responsible for whatever's going on in their lives. And I think it's just bringing that perspective helps you not jump into conclusions too quickly. So that's a good reminder too. So that's an excellent point. 
Yeah, I think it's definitely applicable to online businesses because you, you're very open to what everyone else has to say when you're on social media and stuff like that. And it's something that I think the more you're visible, the more you show up online, which is obviously also what you want to help your, you know, the businesses and the clients that you help talking about, you know, getting the voice and the sales copy, but also in general, getting their voice heard and being visible online, I think it can come for a lot of people. Actually, I was talking to a new member yesterday and, and she mentioned how she was struggling with finding that confidence and especially when you're starting out, it's something that you might have to cultivate and it doesn't come natural for everyone. So you're right. It's just putting yourself out there can be quite scary and daunting. And it's just try to understand how can you find that confidence within yourself first and foremost, because it can be, you know, there's a lot of people that you're talking to. Sometimes we forget that, that all these people are in front of their own screen and they might be thinking different things. And it's something that you can't control. Yeah. My last question as a heartbreaker question is... The question about impact, obviously. So, Rebecca, what does making an impact mean to you and why? Making an impact to me, I think I would describe it as making positive change in people's lives. Um, I think that's the most rewarding part of it, um, more than, you know, getting a certain number of clients each month or reaching a certain sales goal. The most rewarding part is feeling like you've helped someone, um, you've helped them grow their business, which obviously has massive ripple effect. If someone's growing their business, that helps them in all areas of their life. And even making an impact doesn't necessarily have to be working with clients. It can mean uh, giving someone a piece of advice so they feel able to um, share that post that they were worried about or something like that. Seeing that positive change in everything you do from your online presence to you know, what you do behind your paywall. For me, it's all involved in the impact I have as a business and as an individual. Now you see why we choose our people that well, which is not true because they choose us. So thank you for choosing us. But because, because <laughs> as you say, it's important to be able to find stability and balance or in, in your business and to find that structure. But at the same time, it's not just about how many clients you have is as you say it's about the little things that then you know you're supporting them with and I think it helps a lot and so thank you so much for sharing this and reminding us of how much actually can help us reframing okay maybe this week I only helped one person instead of maybe the three that I wanted to help but for that person it means that now they have the confidence to send that email that they were scared about sending or you know the confidence to be more consistent, which I know is something that we talked a lot about in the past and we might also talk about today. So thank you for reminding us of that because especially when you're navigating the beautiful roller coaster that are businesses, uh, I find that that is one of the biggest lessons that we need to remember. And talking about lessons, I have one question about actually, is there something that you can think of that you have learned or maybe discovered about, I guess, starting as well a business? Because I know that you, you were just starting the business when you when you came to us. You know, when you joined Creative Impact, was there anything throughout the, the process of being part of the community and obviously having our support and us getting to know you that you have learned or you've discovered about the business that you started or maybe about yourself? Yeah, I think one of the biggest discoveries I had was around authority and how not only I positioned how I positioned myself publicly but how I saw myself in that 
I always kind of wanted to come across of like, oh, I don't take myself too seriously. I'm not one of those like uh, <laughs> contestants you see on The Apprentice who thinks they're the best thing ever. But I think I discovered that the flip side to that was that maybe I wasn't taking myself seriously enough. And that I think a lot of the prompts in the community and how open you are to kind of working with us as equals kind of reminded me that um, I do need to see my own authority and embrace kind of how good I am instead of just being like, oh, I'm just plodding along trying to make my own way because that's kind of doing myself a disservice by not taking myself seriously enough. I'll never be that person that's like not going to send that email with a weird pun in it because it makes me laugh. I'll always do that. But there is a level of, you know, I know what I'm doing and, you know, people benefit from what I do. And that is a legitimate thing. This isn't just, you know, a hobby or a game or I hope this works out. It's more than that. Funnily enough, you mentioned this and uh, thank you so much for recognizing it as well, especially how I want to come across that. That's obviously that uh, because it means so much to me that I can show you that we're all at different steps of the little magical stairs of running a business. And even if maybe I'm two steps ahead of a member or maybe three ahead of a member, you know, we still all go through those different moments of trying to understand how to embody, as you say, both sides of who we are. And I think we're very similar in the way that I am. I'm a pun person to Steph, who, again, dear listener you met recently, was our community manager. She likes gifts as much as I do, if not more. And, you know, we're very similar personalities in that. And you said something very right. It's like, it's not about sounding like a guy from The Apprentice telling you that brown is the color to go. Little, little apprentice joke there. Um, it's actually about <laughs> saying... <laughs> you got it. <laughs> It's literally about saying, I'm going to bring my personality to the table, which obviously you also help people with because that's part of, you know, the beauty of writing and copy and content. But also as well as bringing my personality to the table, I'm going to, in, I think for me, it's in the way that I act, in the confidence that I put in myself, in being, you know, let's say, you know, being true to the promises that I make or to, you know, the things that I uphold to. That is professional in itself. That shows authority is the fact that, you know, you're going to be of service and you're going to do the things as you say. And that shows, again, like that conviction and beliefs in ourselves. But also, again, you reminded us that it doesn't mean that you have to sound a specific way. And funnily enough, we have a cover star of the magazine from this issue that came out almost like, you know, a couple of weeks ago now, Lucy Mountain. We talked about actually sounding professional doesn't mean sounding professional, means how how you show up for your people, your audience and your clients. That's really it. So I'm so grateful that we managed to help you with that and to kind of give you that confidence. And I can see how you're still bringing it forth more and more. But it doesn't mean that you're using your personality, which I think is so powerful as well. Yeah, exactly. It's more subtle than... Um, specific word and it's almost like the energy that goes into what you put out and that confidence and that conviction in what you're saying it's not saying I think you should do this it's I know this strategy has worked for other people and um, yeah having that confidence in what you say to make it easier for other people to believe in you as well this ties in really beautifully actually with the the question that I have to you which is probably a hard one. So Rebecca, you know, we're starting right on with the, with the easy questions, right? Mm -hmm. 
which is what, in your opinion, based on exactly what you said now, I think there's a lot in it, maybe from what you just said, what, in your opinion, does make great content? Okay. Yeah. So I think there's different layers to it. There's the layer that face value, it provides something useful. Um, It entertains someone, it gives them advice. They go away from reading that or watching it and thinking, you know, I got something out of that. Uh, That wasn't two minutes of my life wasted. (laughs) And then I think on the deeper level, it works specifically for your ideal client. When there's so much content out there, it's really easy to sound like everyone else. And if someone's read basically the same piece of content 10 times, they're probably not going to feel like they've got as much out of yours. But simply by making it more specific in how you word it and the examples you use can make your ideal client really feel like they're being spoken to directly. Um, And that's really powerful when you make your ideal client feel like you know them inside out, that you can identify what they're struggling with, describe it in a way that resonates with them, and then provide them with a solution. And then I'd say the third layer is that it's true to you, especially if you're a solopreneur or at least your clients work directly with you. If you sound very different in your content compared to when you're working with people it's just going to be a bit confusing you're probably not going to attract the people you actually want to work with and in general putting out content probably won't feel as enjoyable because you feel like you're almost putting on a front um so in some way I feel like it should reflect how you want to come across as a brand how you want to be perceived the message you want to share if it's got those three elements of you know having value to it and then specifically for your ideal client and in a way that reflects you honestly then I think you probably won't go too wrong you actually made an excellent point and I'm gonna go off piece with some of the ideas that I had I'm gonna ask and I'm gonna dive deep into a topic that I wasn't thinking of breaching but because you said something really valuable obviously all of it was valuable but especially the point about being true to you I think this is where currently as a solopreneur or a small business owner, especially if you're the person creating the content, I think a lot of people are struggling right now. Let me explain why. If you are particularly active on Instagram, as an example, I think because it's shifting its perception of what it is to become more like TikTok, there's no way around it. Obviously, short form video, it's just reels. It makes sense. And I talked about it also when it comes to my marketing stuff and all the research that I've done. Because of that, TikTok, if you know of it or if you dabble in it, is all about the it's called monkey see, monkey do. <laughs> so it's kind of like that, you know, what you know, the trends, you know, do what other people are doing and put your spin to it, which I think is great. But in the same way, sadly though, because it really relies on hacks and obviously creating something, I think is can become a bit harder for some people that maybe are not even that natural at creating content and they don't find that creativity flowing as much to put their own stamp to the content because these days a lot of the prompts that you're getting from some of the social platforms is to take something like an audio or a trend and then make it yours. And it, it, they make it sound like it's easy, but what you reminded us here is that it is not, it's a very conscious choice and you really need to think about it because it has to be easy to you and, in sorry, true to you and true to your client. 
So it's not about taking the same trend and audio and just regurgitate it. It's being conscious about the spin that you're taking to it. And sometimes I think it's harder than what we what we think. Mm-hmm. Am I making any sense? Because this was round fab moment. And I just felt that what you said was so valuable. And I feel that's a big stumbling block for a lot of people these days. Yeah, I definitely can see how such the pressure of trends can be really hard to navigate because yeah everyone else is doing all these things and they're saying it works but then so that makes it really easy to lose yourself which is why um, when I work with clients and I recommend it to anyone is to at least write down who you want to be how you want to come across your core values first before you write anything or do any content and have that as your foundation to refer back to um, instead of so you can make the content fit around who you are instead of using the content trends to shape how you come across if that makes sense a hundred percent it does and even more so if you're listening to this and you're like oh god you're not alone let me explain once again, I was talking to a, to a new member and obviously when new members, you get a bit of a one-to-one with me where I kind of support you to kind of guide you for the next steps and also understanding where you are in your strategy. And when I asked them about what are your values, because we were looking at the problem apparently was sales. And to me, it was like, I think the problem goes deeper into understanding the core proposition and how that represented online. And they were looking at me, they were like, my values? And they started telling me benefits or features. I'm like, no, 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 no. What are the actual values? What do you stand for? What do you believe in? Well, how do you, you know, what do you want to support? So if people are like, ah, it is harder than what it looks for some of us. And I think I've been doing this for a very long time and I always started with values first and then mm-hmm. I the business shaped around it. To me, it's just the way that I run my two businesses, as simple as that. But it is actually a great exercise that you mentioned. But I want to say it can also be really tough. And I think when you do people like us, which are really clear on our values, and I know that yeah. you are because you can see it, but for a lot of people, it can be harder than what it seems. Again, I experienced it with one of our members. I don't know if you have the same with some of your clients because I feel we assume that it's, it's straightforward, but actually it's not what traditionally we're taught or we are encouraged to do. So I think a lot of people stumble with that. Yeah, definitely. There have been times where I've been talking to new clients and I've said, okay, so how do you want to be perceived? And they've just gone, no one's asked me that before. <laughs> um. Yeah, so sometimes we do make it up as we go along and sometimes it does take uh, a few months or years in business to really have a solid idea of it and be able to explain it in a really polished way. But usually you can find it in even by asking who, what do you not want to be like and say, okay, you don't want to be that person that uh, cold DMs people straight away for sale. Okay, that shows you care about the relationship with your audience and your leads. So yeah, if you kind of follow your heart and your gut reactions to how you do business and how you act as an individual, you'll figure it out along the way. No, exactly. And I think that is so important to remind people of. It's not a case of that will happen automatically. And as you say, if if you need more time, I love the idea of that you mentioned about looking at what you don't want. Sometimes it's easier than what we do want and then we can work that way as well as well as our values then we also have to think about then especially talking about how you want to be perceived that might be maybe 
and I want to hear your opinion with some of the clients you work with and maybe even just the people that come to your sessions when you're talking about creating content and planning it. Do you find that some people, either you recommend them or they gravitate towards, let's use Instagram as an example because we're back on that one, to use a format rather than another, maybe to say actually, um, you know, maybe try to be more active in stories if that feels more natural, or maybe video is for you or you know, just because I feel that's another thing that so people are stumbling upon is like, there's so many things that I should be doing, but how can I know maybe which one should I start with? Which type of content should I hone first before I try to do too much into a little time? Yeah, I think especially with social media, overwhelm is really common. Often that's why people outsource because they just feel like they're spending their whole lives on social media um, and kind of, you know, chasing likes and interaction. But I always like to remind people to do what feels good to them. Obviously, sometimes we can hold ourselves back by feeling like, oh, I can't do video content or something like that. But at least if you start what feels natural to you, then you've got a building block to, you know, use the other features. I think it's quite hard, especially for people who haven't grown up with social media or they don't tend to use it a lot in their personal lives it can all feel a bit foreign but it's kind of one of those trial and error things where you you don't know until you try I'm sure you you know with marketing it doesn't all fall into place straight away you have to do a bit of experimenting even you can't even necessarily follow industry trends because the relationship you have with your audience and ideal client is completely unique to you and your business. So as long as you're willing to try things out, starting with what feels the most natural to you, you'll build up a really great strategy from all the information you get from posting online. That can itself have have its own problems in that some people are just like, well, when I post this type of content, I don't get any interaction. So what's the point? So focusing on the numbers too much isn't always the best route but at least learning from what putting out different content from reels to stories to you know whatever it is at least taking the chance to learn uh how it impacts your business whether that's getting loads of new leads or having um a great conversation with one person who's been following you for a while both are just as valuable you mentioned stories as a format and I actually was thinking about, obviously, not just, the, as you said, the quality of content and the formats, then something that you also guide people through with your planning sessions as well is obviously the element of consistency and obviously helping us out, so you're finding that accountability. So I was thinking, I find that for a lot of people, as you said, especially the ones that maybe don't find natural to share their personal life, stories can be a format that can feel either a bit forced or they might lack into actually, what the hell should I talk about in my stories so have we got any little tips or recommendation for somebody who wants to actually try to be more consistent on stories but they just don't know where to get started or how to get going with that yeah I think stories can be a really underrated format obviously you can't it's not necessarily wise to put in tons of effort because it only lasts 24 hours but so it's not going to be the same as like putting a video on your feed, but you can reuse um, what you do on stories in your feed and on other places. So it's not completely, you know, useless just because it only lasts 24 hours. I find it's quite helpful, f- a place for sharing more of your expertise. 
um, if you're not necessarily comfortable with really personal stuff because just the fact that you're on camera talking to someone that shows a bit more of who you are it builds that deeper connection than just the written word um so I often recommend people if they're not super comfortable with stories once or twice a week doing a mini training where they take a common question they've got asked or they take a post they've just put on their feed and expand on it in their stories um give some tips on what people could do that moment to solve that problem and then if I wouldn't necessarily completely script it word for word because that can feel a bit unnatural if like your eyes are always looking behind the camera at where you've written your notes but it's then something if you've made notes on and you need to be of content later on down the line you can take that so you're not feeling like you're putting all this effort into a 24-hour piece of content and it's going to waste especially because the people that are most interested in you are going to be watching your stories they might find that it really resonates with them or they used an advice a piece of advice that you recommended they got a great result so they're like oh okay this person's legitimate um I want to talk to them about how we could work together or something like that so just because you're not straight away getting those of tangible results doesn't mean it's not going to come excellent ideas i absolutely love them and i think it's actually really really clever to kind of like position it that way and also one thing i'll say is that as a practical tip for me has been having my little ring light uh, which is actually a tripod ring light just because sometimes when i want to do things it kind of helps me uh, having it handy that's one thing but the other thing is i usually do almost every day, like a week of recording has been mental. So like a couple of days I've not been active, which is again, never bit myself over it. Like long gone are the days where we had to post what happened on Instagram at the very moment, which is bananas when you think that that's what Instagram was for. We're like, you know, well, you post this stuff that is scheduled. No, you never schedule stuff. And now it's like how we do things anyway. But my, the format that literally people ask me for if I don't post it for a couple of days when I'm sharing still my stories is my breakdown of the day. People love to see my schedule and it's not exciting. It's actually usually like mental, 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 but they love it. So I get people asking me, oh yeah, keep, other people tell me keep it oh, up okay. or people tell me, where was it? So, you know, sometimes actually playing and then seeing the responses that people have, as you say, these are the most important people because they're the most invested in you can even give you some ideas for some things that you can do recurrently. I do them every workday usually. So if you go to Fab Giovanetti, you'll see them. You can kind of give you some ideas on what can you do for yourself that maybe you enjoy doing and also your audience resonates with when it comes to stories. And then it almost it kind of gives you a bit more scope for consistency because you're a bit more motivated. So I love what you mentioned there, like trying different things and maybe like things like mini training that is quite relevant to also the feed content, I think is really smart because it means that you know, you can kind of train and take it from there. And to me, it's all about consistency. Regardless of how often consistency is, it's more about creating that small little habit for yourself. And that leads me to my other question, which is, yeah, if you could share one thing that entrepreneurs could do to be more consistent with their content efforts, aside from joining your planning sessions, what would that one thing be? Something that I've personally found helpful is setting a focus for each week of content. 
Um, I think one of the things that's harder about content is that it can be a bit of a long-term strategy. You don't always see immediate results. So I think it can easily feel like, oh, why am I doing this? Nothing's happening. But if you set a focus for each week, so because I have various ways that people can work with me as a copywriter, each week I focus on a different service I offer. That doesn't mean that all week I'm just like, jump on the service, jump on the service. But I, in my content, I talk to what people need to hear to feel comfortable working with me in that way. Uh, so for example, the um, content planning sessions, I'll talk about content planning, I'll talk about efficiency, how to pick topics, content ideas, everything that someone who would be perfect for my content set planning sessions would want to hear. And then I feel like that focuses me in the other ways that I use my content platforms. Like on Instagram, I think, okay, let's leave some comments on people, the accounts who I think those people would be great for my um, planning sessions. It means everything is more streamlined to an end goal, which makes my content itself feel more useful. Therefore, I'm more motivated to be consistent because I'm like, right, this is what I'm doing this week. It's not like, oh, I've got to put something up because that's what I'm supposed to do. It feels more meaningful. I'm a big fan of organization and kind of having those, you say those focuses. So to me, it really speaks to me. And I find that because of how you framed it, it can actually speak to people that maybe are a bit more like, I just want to go with the flow. Because I think you can still then maybe shift the focus if it doesn't feel the right one for that week. But, you know, it's really interesting to kind of at least have that guidelines and then you can still take the guiding light and obviously adjust it the way you want to. So, so that's actually an excellent tip and one that I think a lot of people will resonate with. I have one quick question, and this is a hard one, though, because it's one word. <laughs> if you had to... You're a wordsmith, right? So it kind of counts. If you had to describe creative impact with one word... What would that word be? It can be a noun, it can be an adjective, you choose. Oh, that's hard. <laughs> One word. I think I would say empowering. Because I think when you make yourself a part of a community, uh, you feel validated in what you're doing. And then also you have that relationship with other people in the community that continues that validation and continue to support you in um, how you ask them to or how they offer to and it's not only being helped by other people that can be empowering also supporting other people can make you feel empowered too because we all have you know um, the things we're good at and the things we struggle with which is probably going to be the opposite to someone else so you can support each other so yeah i'd go with empowering excellent word choice if you ask me thank you so much rebecca for taking the time for your wisdom and for giving us some great ideas on how to improve and get more confident and consistent with our content now my question to you would be the one that we ask everyone at the end of the episode if you could have brunch with anyone dead or alive who would this person be and why? That's a good question. I think I'd quite like to have brunch with Margaret Atwood. 
the writer of The Handmaid's Tale. Not only because she's a writer, but she's a very prolific writer. She's been in, you know, the industry for a long time. So I'm sure the way she works has changed. The people she's met have been really interesting. So yeah, I'd like to dive into her brain a bit creatively and to learn more about the publishing industry, just because I think it's really interesting kind of seeing the behind the scenes of how, you know, some of the most popular books um, have been created. I love that. And well, on that note, if somebody wants to dive deep into your brain, <laughs> where should they go? What, where should we, where should we direct them to? Well, as we've been talking about Instagram, Instagram's a great place to connect with me. Uh, at Powered Up Content. I'm also on LinkedIn, if that's more of your space. You can head over to my website, poweredupcontent.com. And there you'll find a link to my email list where I, I, I practice what I preach. And I do give quite a, quite a bit of value on there. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to check our show notes for more juicy goodness about this episode. If you loved it, please take some time to give us five stars on iTunes. And make sure that you let us know your ha-has and takeaways on Instagram at creativeimpact.co. Also, you can find out more about us on our website at creativeimpact.group. <laughs>